Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's, What's better, better than, than this? this? Guys being dudes guys here being on the dudes. Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. Sad, and we are your host on this edition of the Draft Dudes podcast. Kyle and I are sitting on a, a uh, leather couch yep, somewhere in the, the Indiana, Indiana Convention, Convention Center. Center. Which Not is, Indianapolis Convention Center. The Indiana it, Convention Center. Which is bigger than an airport. Uh, yeah, you didn't believe us. We, well, we were coming in on uh, on uh, what was that Monday Tuesday Tuesday uh, yeah Tuesday around lunchtime and we were like yeah Joe the uh, the convention center is like bigger than the airport here and you're like what that, that, no like you've seen it you've seen it and you've been lost in it several times since we've been here it's not that I've been lost Kyle I've no, just taken different paths back to the media room oh, okay and that's you don't appreciate my variety in navigation if that's how you want to explain it to yourself so that you feel better then I'm not going to argue with you. But I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Pope Benedict, who's down in the hallway down there. I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah, that's a creepy cutout. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. It, it, yeah. He's like a, it's like a two-inch thick wood cutout of the Pope just standing in the hallway here in, in the convention center. I don't know why, but uh, it's pretty lit. I have a, a shout-out oh, shout of myself I want to get out here. Uh, I'm going to shout-out the dogs. There are many... Dogs that are in this convention center, and they are sniffing bags and keeping the NFL community safe. It's true. And uh, I was was checked multiple times by the dogs today and really appreciate their service. I hope they pay them well. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, too, but the NFL has like a – or their security team has a list of headshots of people that are not allowed in here. I wonder if they brief the dogs on those. Oh, they know. The dogs know who's allowed and who's not. Here's the real challenge, and Ben Ben Solak has, uh, has admitted this. It is a nightmare being f- in a convention center with Labradors all over the place, and you can't pet them. I just make eye contact it's with them. Chall- I, I challenge them. Say, come on. Break, break your own training, please, and uh, come come to me. I, there's, what do you want to talk about here? Let's get into the combine. Well, we should probably talk about the – I'm not talking bench press today. I want to talk about the podium sesh. You okay? Well, yeah. give me give us your first impression. Snell, yeah, I'm back on Benny Snell, dude. Oh no! Now I'm not bumping my grade <laughs> up, but he he reaffirmed the things that like I liked him as a football player relative to what he is, and then you watch him get up on the podium and be super comfortable, and he's this super magnetic personality, and he's he talks about how he keeps football fun, but he still has this chip on his shoulder, but he doesn't let. Know, external criticism or or any of that kind of derail him from just enjoying the ride and enjoying being a football player and you know, it was really uh, communicated a lot of thankfulness for his role and his teammates role in turning around the Kentucky Wildcats program that was a good team this year yeah right I mean like that all those he called it a players. Disney ending wow to win, I think they won Penn State, yeah, ten games and beat Penn State in the right. bowl game. That's not normal for Kentucky football. Yeah. Yeah. So. He says, but that was the plan. We all came in and, and they, they were supposed to upgrade the facilities, yeah. and we had all this talent. We knew we had all this talent, and it took us three years. But this this was a Disney ending for my college career and Benny Snell because he talks in the third person. He says, so after the season, Benny Snell had a chance to sit down and review how Benny Snell did and felt it was the right time to make a move. 
I look forward to you talking in the third person for the rest of this podcast. Have you ever seen The Replacements? Yeah. You know, or, or uh, here's the thing, Kyle. Before you go any further, yeah, you have seen every movie, and not only have you seen every movie, you remember everything that's happened in every movie, and it, it creates difficult dynamics in our friendship because I'm never on the same page with these movie references. The fo- I've seen The Replacements once when it came out 15 years ago, but I don't remember what happened. The football is like a cold to Clifford Franklin. He's the only one catching it. He's the only one coming down with it. Oh, he's that receiver. Yeah, he's the receiver Franklin. with bad hands. He sucks. Yeah, at catching he's the, football. the one that's got yeah. the stick him on his gloves, and then he's got Are the you, cup stuck, and he's got to yeah, like yeah, use yeah. his foot and push the cup off. His I, head. I'm amazed that I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Clifford Franklin, man. Yeah. Uh, did he, did Snell reference that, or did you just was that something you? Remembered? It was the parallel I made in okay. when I wrote the article today. I talked about how Benny Snell being in third person reminded me of Clifford Franklin from The Replacements. Well, I guess you talked about a podium session that yeah. really popped for you. Yeah. I, I have one that popped for me. Pop that, pop that, don't stop. Go ahead. Jonah Williams, offensive tackle, oh, Alabama. He's big mad. He's real mad. <laughs> uh, so so I get in front of this podium, and, and, and of course the first question that comes out is about arm length. He, he checks in with 33 and 5 eighths. And, and so the first question is about that. This dude rips off ten names. He's like Jason Peters, Ryan Ramchek, Joe Thomas. Joe Staley. He, and he keeps going. He goes, I just came up with those names off the top of my head. Those are pretty good offensive tackles, and I've got longer arms than them. And then he continues to go on. He's like, he tells this reporter, he goes, he goes, um, well, you know, you could you could have longer arms, and it would help you reach the keyboard better, but it wouldn't make you a great reporter. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's – and then Yikes. he goes, wait, and then he goes, another great direct quote from Jonah Williams. He says, I'll play whatever position a team wants me to, but I was the best tackle in college football. Listen, we, me and Trevor came up with a great test for Jonah Williams to decide if this arm length thing really matters. Okay? Yeah. We're going to bring him into a room, and we're going to have a couple cases of uh, the aluminum cans of Coca Cola or a beverage of choice. And we're going to say, okay, Jonah, how many of these can you carry at the same time? <laughs> And he's got to hug him. And this, we'll lie to him. We'll tell him, listen, Jawan Taylor had 36. Oh, no. No pressure. And see if he can, and if he can, with his arms, hug that many and pin them against his body and carry them across the room, then arm, we've solved the riddle. Arm length does not matter. Well, uh, the practical application of that experiment to the football field uh, is holding. <laughs> technically speaking. <laughs> so that's the thing with Jonah Williams and the arm length, man. The problem with Jonah's – it didn't matter what his arms were, right? If they were 35, 36, whatever. The fact is, if you watch his tape, he gets outreached. He does. Yeah. He simply does. Yeah. His footwork, his base, his ability to frame guys is all spectacular. But the truth is, the guy gets outreached, he gives up his chest, and it compromises, c- compromises his anchor a few times every game. I still love Jonah. But let's not let's – not, I mean, it didn't matter what his arm length was. To me, he, he has too many issues on – on film where he gets outreached. Did you feel that was more prominent in head-up situations or inside-eye, outside-eye, like half-man situations? Head-up? That's where I felt it was more prominent, too, which is weird because you'd think with the arm length thing at offensive tackle, it'd give you fits when you're trying to you know, land that stun punch with your outside yeah. hand in pass protection, but that, that wasn't the problem. It's when he's in head-up situations and he's trying to roll hips and engage and get his feet driving. Yeah, is he gets his chest pushed up and his pads rolled back because he's outreached, like you said. What do you got else? What else you got? Oh, geez. Um, 
I really liked Jawan Taylor. He was one speed. He was not Benny Snell. Let me say that. <laughs> he was not laughing and smiling and joking around and telling the reporters they got lucky when they asked if he met with the team because he'd actually met with them. Benny was like, yeah, you got lucky. I met with them. It's really funny. But Jawan was, first of all, a very big human being. And I gained a lot of appreciation for Jawan Taylor and, and his kind of journey and path to being in this position and the development that he's cultivated for himself. He talked about losing 52 pounds over the course of the summer before his senior year of high school, which is a lot of weight to lose, if you think about it. And uh, he said all he did was was change his eating habits, and he had some influences in his life that kind of cultivated that and, and kickstart that. And uh, now he's at the point where he's probably OT1. He, he lo- I think he's the best offensive tackle. And, and the more I've seen these guys, the more I feel confident with that. And uh, John Ledger did a terrific job talking to Jawan and trying to facilitate some intelligent conversation at the podium, which is not always something you find, depending on the questions being asked. But asking, oh, what kind of rushes give you the most fits? You know, how do you put together your your protection plan and how do you scout guys and what are you looking for pre-snap and got you on to talk about some of that kind of stuff. A lot of the same kind of stuff that we talk to people about on, on draft dudes when we have them on as players, trying to get into the X's and O's and the technical side of the stuff and uh, appreciated getting that insight from Juwan Taylor at his podium. Which is refreshing because, let's be honest, a lot of the questioning at the podium is just bad. It's it's beat reporters. Did you meet with this team? Did you do you meet? like playing in the cold? Yeah. Do you, will you play in the cold? Like, and, and so have yeah. you met with Buffalo? Yes, and I hey, was big, able to. Big breaking news: Juwan has met with Buffalo, and so did Jonah Williams. So there you go. There you go. Really Offensive tackle, lock it in for the Bills. Well, we'll see. I think they're going to like some defensive tackle. Offensive as well. tackle, no matter what. Uh, let's see here. I you know what was fun? I did a McVeigh's presser this morning. Yeah. Uh, even more handsome in person. Man wow. Had, yeah, stud. The dude's a stud. So uh, I know that's How tall weird, is he? Uh, you know, look, I don't know. I, Kyler Murray? Kyle Murray. Is he taller than Kyle Murray? 5'10 and an eighth? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's probably taller than that. Do you just want to re- dedicate the rest of the show talking about the merits of being 5'10 and 1 eighth versus being 5'9 and 3 quarters? No, I want to talk about Sean McVay's press conference. Okay, good, because if I hear one more person poo-poo this thing and make a big freaking deal out of him, I'll lose my mind. Some of my big takeaways from McVay was they're going to have some turnover on this offensive line, right? Saffold's probably going to be gone. Yep. He was very complimentary of Brian Allen and Joe Noteboom. Noteboom, a couple guys that's that drafted my guy. last year. But Allen's good, Brian right? Allen's yeah, we guy. like him. Noteboom, we'll see. That's going to be a good – good. Uh, a good challenge for Adam Cromer, mm-hmm. Aaron Cromer, their offensive line coach, to develop. But uh, see. Th- that's what that's what the Rams are going to have to do. They're going to have to cultivate these young players and, and groom them because with the the guys that they're going to identify as the pillars of of the roster and pay them, there's going to be a lot of recycled players in and out. And so, being able to really develop young players to step in is going to be really important. But I thought it was interesting how he he really talked about how uh, the run game needs to evolve and how. Uh, he has to do a better job of preserving Todd Gurley for 16 games and then the playoffs. And uh, um, it was interesting because, like, he he didn't necessarily say he had a plan other than I need to le- rely less on the passing game and do a better job of getting Todd going and doing a better job of preserving him long term. And it was interesting because he didn't say that he had any any injury concerns, but 
He also, they also said that Todd has not had surgery for whatever his issue was. They did. So uh, hopefully we see more John Kelly. And so what, what I was trying to get to here is some of these younger offensive players that they drafted in Nopum, in Allen, in John Kelly, we could see those guys have more prominent roles. Josh Reynolds was another guy that he praised. Well, that that's the key to sustainable success, yes. right? It is that pipeline of not renewing certain contracts and being selective with those and having replaceable players that can play at an equal complementary or better level than the guys that you let go. So as you said, that that's going to be a big test. Joe, we talk about how combine season is lying season. What's the best lie you heard today? The best lie I heard? Yeah. I wasn't prepared to answer this question. Well, I just kind of I kind of thought of it during your little monologue there trying yeah. to get out that John Kelly's a guy that should get more snaps. I I've been really funny by the way that both Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have talked about the wide receiver position. I think everyone in the world can recognize the need for the Bills to get better there. Mm-hmm. Sean McDermott was asked about it yesterday. He says, "What are you looking for in a number 1 receiver?" He says, "I'm looking for guys that can get open and catch a ball." They really like short and curt about it, and then Beans asked about it today, and he's like, "What you know? Do you believe in a number one receiver?" He's like, "Well, yeah, they they come in all shapes and sizes, but we're really just looking for guys that Josh Allen can rely on, like super cryptic, not a whole lot of insight." Uh, and so maybe they were trying to be dismissive of wide receiver and really uh, make uh, make some belief that maybe that wasn't a target. For them in free agency, well, they're going to improve the position, but maybe not in the draft. So sure. I, I guess that's what came to mind when you asked Okay, question. and mine's also about a wide receiver. I've been sitting on this because uh, you you know my background and my schooling. Kinesiology from Pennsylvania State University. Which is for exercise science. Yeah, movement, bodies. Now, there was someone who we were told today uh, showed up at the combine with a 1.6% body fat. Decalin. Kalen Zacharias. Zacharias Metcalf, Metcalf. The first. 6'3", 228, a reported, I believe it was Ian Rappaport, 1.6% body fat. I don't think that's legal. You would be dead. Yeah. Or in a hospital bed. Or a bodybuilder with an extreme amount of artificial substances in your body <laughs> to get to this point. DK's yoked. Okay? He's probably at 3.5%. 1.6, that is like you are in severe health risk range. So don't tell me DK showed up at 1.6% because he didn't. He didn't. Because nobody's 1.6%. You'd be dead. Yeah. They made no you sense. You would be in a state of your body would be in decomposition at that point. So maybe at that point you could be 1.6%. I'll be. I'll have to be dead for two years to get to one point six percent. Just let the rest of me melt away. It's interesting because, like yesterday, people were saying he was going to be two forty, and he's what two? Was it two twenty? Two twenty eight. Two twenty eight. And so glorious. Like it's like we 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 post the the picture comes out and he's too big. And oh then, my god, he's a tight end. And now. then he's two forty, and then he's not two forty, but he's two twenty eight, but he's only one point six percent body you know, fat. I, like I, leave wide receiver alone. Wide yeah. wide receiver one alone. Have you gone up and, like, give him a hug yet? That'll happen tomorrow. I know you guys uh, follow each other on Twitter, so I know you guys are very close. More than you'll ever know. So I went on uh, the uh, the Giants spot, uh, our, our good friends at uh, Big Blue Kickoff Show, and you went on, on Tuesday, yep. right? And uh, they asked me, who who are you most intrigued with? And I mentioned Metcalf and, and mentioned his size and said, 
Don't be surprised if that 40 time is a 4-3 something. And you would have thought that I just told them that I hit their grandmothers with my car. The look on their faces, they were like, no way. So DK, all I'm saying, brother, is no pressure. But I went on Giants.com and told everyone, you are going to blaze your 40 time. So go out there and blaze your 40 time, brother. Calvin Johnson or Demarius Thomas is your comp. <laughs> Do I have to pick between those two? Brandon Bean wouldn't, and you called him a coward for that. Well, were those the two names? Well, he said there's players that he reminds me of, but uh, I'm not going to put that type of label on him. I didn't say I had to, I, or I didn't say I would Those are the two names that come to mind. Those are the two guys that are that size that run four threes. Nobody else does, right? Okay, I'd be, com- be, I'd be comfortable comping him to <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> From a physical perspective, right, what made Calvin great is he became this phenomenal technician on top of that. I think that's the important distinguishment to make. But from a physical explosiveness and size combination, why not? Rare. Very rare. Yeah. Any other takes? <sighs> uh, ben, what do you got? Yeah, ben, Ben's ben been awkwardly sitting here on the floor staring at us while we have been uh, sitting on the leather couch. Well, I'm, I'm just finishing a post. But um, no, when Joe was scrambling for a lie, I was thinking of lies. Anthony Lynn uh, was asked about his team's need, and he, and he interrupted the reporter. And he said, ah, I don't like to talk about it. I don't have, I don't look at my roster's needs. I don't, I don't bring roster needs into the draft room. Because then when you're in a draft for need, you know, I'm going to take the best player available. You want to know how I do that? We were all like, oh, do pray tell, Anthony. <laughs> and he said, oh, my first year, you know, everybody said, oh, we need defense. We need defense. And I went out with my first three picks. We picked all offensive players. Yeah, because you needed guards and a wide receiver. <laughs> you were picking Mike Williams, Ooh. Dan Feeney, and Forrest Lamp. They absolutely still needed to fill those spots. Did you let him get away with that? Why are we bragging about that? Because Mike took a year to get going, and neither one of the offensive linemen were picking any good. Did I let him get away with that? Absolutely. He's a very large, scary <laughs> Anthony Lynn. He's at the top of a podium. I let him say whatever the heck he wants. But there's nothing that kills me more than, oh, I don't, I don't bring knees into a draft room. Well, then have fun being worse than other people drafting. Is Anthony Lynn the leader in the clubhouse for NFL head coach that's going to win the Royal Rumble? He's high up there. But I'm telling you, Prime Forrest from Miami's in there. Yeah, it feels great. Anthony Lynn's there, and I'm not messing with McDermott. I'm just not. No, he's a cruiserweight, man. He's going to go up on the top rope, and he'll do a couple backflips and land on guys he's and drop elbows. He's with quickness. He's, a, he's wrestling and then, back. And then somebody's going to run into the turnbuckle and knock his foot out from underneath him when he's on the top rope, and he's going to go tumbling down, and he's going to get eliminated. Do you know who's not high on that list? Who's that? Mike Frabel. Super overrated. This this is your worst. This is the worst take you've ever had on the show. I'm telling you, sit man. Sit here and tell me that Mike Vrabel in a head coach Royal Rumble is overrated. He's not high you on my list. Out of your mind. He's not high on my list. He might be a top ten guy, but he's not going to be in top five. Sort him out. Well, I gave you three already. Yeah, you gave me three. Well, I, I wasn't really prepared. I, I, I need. I need, I need at here. least two more. Uh, at least two more. Well, why don't you talk? While and how are you going to put McDermott above him? McDermott, I'm telling you, speed, athleticism. I take it all back, Ben. I apologize. I called Ben a homer the other day. You're the homer sitting here telling me Sean McDermott's the third most likely NFL head coach to win the Royal Rumble you of all head coaches. You want me to be a homer so bad, but it's just not true. It's true. No, it's really not. Yeah, it is. Because me believing McDermott can win speed. in a Royal. I speed. think he can be top three. Speed. 
You're referencing his speed. This guy, Harrison Phillips, walks into their their interview with him last year, and they get in a wrestling match right off the bat. Was just meant to be then. I'm just saying, don't sleep on McDermott. I've bought you plenty of time, and you're just offended that I slandered Sean McDermott, and you have no more names to go above Mike Vrabel on your big board. McVay? McVay's like 5'6". No. Get out of here. And he's a pretty boy. Dude, get out of here with that. Show me the lie. Ben, what? who else is going to – that I'm, who am I forgetting here? Yes, Riverboat Ron is uh, washed down the river. He's not winning Dan the Royal Quinn. Rumble. Dan Quinn's a good pull. Yeah. Nope. No, we got Zimmer. No. no, no. Matt Patricia looks like a cab driver. All right, I've overestimated the rest of the league. He might be go. top five. Thank you. He might he's be top fit. five, but he's he, not the clear one he's, leader in the clubhouse. He's fourth. That's the point I want to make. He's fun. not the clear leader in the clubhouse. Vrabel's fourth because McDermott's not above him. You're just a homer. Nope. I feel good <laughs> about this. What about Gase? Yeah, Gase. No, Gase, Gase would, with them crazy eyes is just going to make you jump Gase over the top rope on your own. Gase wouldn't get in the ring. We were talking about this. At, at lunch, this will be the last thing we speak on here, or at dinner we were speaking about this, the coaching hire cycle. Dumpster. And, and we're we're talking about the the candidates that are getting jobs, and the two best hires were the two most experienced guys. We feel right now, right with Fangio as far as experience in the league, not necessarily head yeah. coaching experience, and Arians. And the rest are very all very questionable. Big Every question. Other one. Yeah. Big question marks. I, everyone knows where I th- what I think about the Kingsbury hire. I think that was just crazy. Ben, Pat please LaFleur, keep it down. This crazy. is working press box. Zach Ta- I liked Zach Taylor, uh, his presser. But, I mean, certainly a risk. Sure. Uh, Brian Flores. He looks great in uh, aqua, aqua polos. He would look good in anything. He's a very handsome man. Thank you. He's my uh, head coach. But, I, yeah, I think he's probably third in the list. He's the guy I feel the best about. Flores? Yeah, I, I, after Fangio and uh, Arians and Fangio. Sure, sure. Of all those crazy offensive X's and O's guys with no with no resume, at least at least mm. Flores can say he's been with Belichick for fifteen right, years. Right. And had some good schemes, and it, it, sort of, you can believe in him as a culture guy. Do you just want me to talk good about Brian Flores? Yeah, Did you, you guys. Me there? Yeah, I'm a Bills homer sitting here praising the Dolphins. Heard Come it on here now. first. Dolphins 2022 Super Bowl champions. It's coming down the pipe. Fins down. Fins up, baby. We are fin it to win it. Thanks for swinging by this episode of the Drafties Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our audio quality. I think it's a little better than I sitting so. on opposite ends of the convention center talking on our cell phones. Uh, but we are recording here uh, on site at the Indiana Convention Center once again. We will be back again tomorrow to update you guys on all of the latest round of updates, the interviews, athletic testing starts today, which I'm really excited about. We're getting some 40 times. I'm going to get some finalized draft grades. Lit. Very excited. It's the most wonderful time of the year, so make sure you hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Come back and see us again, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.